I want to welcome to the show one of the greatest actors of all time, in my opinion. It goes by the name of Chad L. Coleman. You may know him from Dennis Wise, Cuddy in the Wire, Tyrese in The Walking Dead, Coach from Left for Dead 2, Z and It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. We have Chad L. Coleman joining me here on the show here today for Sports and Hip Hop with DJ Mad Max, Slide 365, iHeartRadio. Chad, what's going on, man? Welcome to the show. How's your day going? Oh, my day is blessed, bro. Oxygen and gravity are created, so... I'm here with a clear mind and ready to chop it up with you. I'm happy to hear that, man. And congratulations. I think we should start off with this 20 years with The Wire. Did you ever think that we'd be talking about this show 20 years later? Uh, I, I can't say that I thought about it, but the depth of it and the uh, groundbreaking nature of it. Yeah, sure. You know, the substance of it as the years went by, you you knew how rich it was and what people seeing is one of the best shows, television shows ever produced. So I, I knew it was going to have legs. <laughs> and, and in my opinion, when you look at it, The Wire had such an impact that The Walking Dead sought your part. They thought of you right away for Tyrese. And then you not only reunited you in the show, but you had Seth and Lawrence in the show as well. Yeah, I call us The Wire Walking Boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or The Walking Wire Boys, one or the other. It's, it's a unique little group we got there. I love those brothers, too. Yeah, man. Just an amazing run that you had on the show. And what was your approach in getting into The Walking Dead as well as The Wire in which you were added later on onto a major hit show? Like, What was the pressure that you faced and how did you approach it getting onto these shows later as soon as they were already hits? Well, uh, you know what? I knew a lot of people and a lot of the actors involved in the show were friends. And I mean, me and Wood used to be roommates. So uh, I knew of the show for sure through him. And then there was a point where Idris and I met and he said, man, you could be on, the, uh, uh, you could be on the wire easy. And, and a year later it happened. So I call him the prophet, you know? <laughs> um, but I felt like I was welcomed into the community with open arms, you know, I'm bringing my A game, I'm bringing my skill set, And um, I had an opportunity to spend a lot of time with uh, Calvin Ford, who my character is based off of. That's the real individual who is Javante Davis's uh, uh, boxing uh, manager and uh, coach. And, um, you know, he's a champion now. So I had I had the opportunity to spend a lot of time with him, and that helped me shape the character. So uh, that was like, you know, you can't beat that kind of access when you got a real person to relate to and talk to and sit back and watch. So that really helped me land firmly inside of Cuddy. And then for The Walking Dead, you know, um, I just talked to them a lot. And, you know, Robert Kirkman, after seeing me on The Wire, felt very much like I was Tyrese. And so I just spent time talking with him. And when you come into the game with the person already feeling like what you bring is what they're looking for, you know, it's just a matter of tweaking and collaborating with each other, you know? Mm -hmm. It's just an amazing performance there and it really impactful on both shows as I am a Walking Dead fan as well. But when you're playing Dennis Wise and what she was known as Cuddy, the scene when you're trying to get Michael back, once you kick them out of the gym and he's, yeah. he's on the street and you, you're trying to apologize to him that you did it in the wrong way and you end up getting shot. I wanted to ask you about that scene because what's your thoughts on scenes that utilize people get characters getting shot now, especially after the Alec Baldwin situation. And how was that shoot for you in which you did have to get shot? Do you think that they should change it up how things are done in the future? Because the instances like Alec Baldwin and even back in the day with Brandon Lee. 
Yeah, I mean, we have to be incredibly careful when it comes to onset use of firearms and uh, the prop master, all of that stuff was top notch, taken, taken care of professionally, top to bottom. There was never a time that I felt unsure or unsafe. And that is the job of the prop master and you know, just coming down from the top of how to do things. So I think if we stay on top of protocol and everybody is a thousand percent professional and we take it slow, uh, you can avoid some of these things, you know, mm-hmm. I believe. So I just think you, it should be a heightened sense of professionalism when it comes to introducing a weapon into any kind of scene. And you, you, you can't fall asleep at the wheel at all. No. You have to be hypervigilant and you have to take it as serious as it really is. So I, I don't shy away from it. I say step up your professionalism and make sure you, you, you're crossing the T's and dotting the I's. And, and getting the role at the wire because you auditioned and, and originally you were reading for Bodie and they then they looked at your physique and then they established that you were going to play Cuddy later on. Yeah, I think that that's there's a little twist in that. that I was just reading Bodie material. You know okay. what I mean? The, the, uh, the, uh, the sides, if they say, the portion of the script that they're giving me because Cuddy hadn't been written. So they had to give me something to say, you know. <laughs> But, uh, you know, initially it was definitely the beard. They felt like I looked like that OG that, you know, had spent that time and was coming out. It was a great look, set me apart from everyone else. And then, um, you know, when I auditioned, I just had an out-of-body experience. I had gone over the material so much. It was just, it was just fully inside me. So when they gave me an adjustment, told me to do it again, when he said action, I forgot everything I was supposed to say. And it just came out and that's as natural as you can get as an actor. And so that sealed the deal for me. Yeah. (laughs) It was just insane to see the character change and evolve and just grow in a short period of time because you come home, your character comes home and eventually you go to that coming home party, which is insane. (laughs) And then all of a sudden you have to make the choice of either killing the kid that was running away. And then you make the choice not to. And that's when you said that. I'm becoming a man. And even your scene with that's Avon good. Barksdale, yeah. that's when it comes to realization right there that he's a man now. Yeah. And to coming from someone in the community like that for him, you know, even though he's on the wrong side of the law, there's tremendous amount of respect in that world. And usually it's tough to get out of that world once you're in it. But when, when a man who remains in that world sees another brother and sees his growth, and sees his desire to be something different. And he says, man, go do that. Because he could have stood in his way and he didn't. And I think that was huge. And I hope people don't miss that, that even in even in the hood, there are guys who understand that somebody is going through a major transition and they need to live their life a different way. And they step back and they allow this man to become a positive influence on the community. You know, and, and that's 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 an amazing situation as well as the scene when he gave me the money to help me get the gym going, you know? So and it was awesome to be able to work, to rock with Wood, man. Wood's an amazing actor and a great brother. And, you know, we, like I said, we was roommates at one point. I was really good friends with his brother, Steve Harris, who's another amazing actor. So, you know, it was just, it, you know, we were doing, we were doing important work and we, you know, we wanted to do something that the community could be proud of. That, that's for sure. So for me, 
being able to, I think there are more cutties in the world than there are any others. And there are more dudes out there trying to come from the wrong side, get on the right side, do something positive and be the person that they really know they could be. That's, that's, a, that's a difficult challenge to take on because people perceive you one way. And it is huge, it's a huge risk. But when guys step up and do that, it I, I want to applaud them, you know, and and a lot of these guys go unseen and nobody, you know, celebrates their lives. But it's that's a beautiful thing. That's something we should all be proud of. We should aspire to those of us who had difficult times and made difficult choices and been in difficult circumstances to turn it around. We should be applauding that. That's why I, I really say Dennis Cuddy Wise is to be applauded for sure. Absolutely. Had a huge impact on the show and just in the communities that, in which there's people out there that we can recognize and do the same thing. We got to get into Ford. cheese. Calvin yeah. Ford, for real. Big yeah. ass Calvin Ford. It, he did it. I was with him at the gym when Javante Davis was seven years old going boom, 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 boom. And we were like, who's that little dude? He said, that's my champion. And look what he did. So it's possible, folks. It's possible. That man is a shining example. If you can turn your life around and do something amazing in the community. And now he has, that ain't the only champion he's going to have either. So big ups to Calvin Ford for sure. Big ups to him. I want to get into Cheese. How is it being on set and working with Method Man? We didn't. We, we, me and Matthew really didn't have anything. Not too many him. scenes, but how was it being on set with him and coming oh, across well, him? You know what? The first thing was, oh, damn, dude is tall. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yo, oh, man, I, ain't use, I thought he was shorter than that. But, you know, I'm a huge Method Man fan, so I was, I was fanning out a little bit. but I tried to keep it under wraps. But uh, just a nice gentleman, just a stand-up guy, man. And uh, very talented and has been able to spread his wings and acting so proud of the work he's been doing, man, like crazy on, uh, especially uh, the, what he just did on um, uh, the Godfather Harlem, you know, I was like, go ahead, man. And, uh, you know, we got to kick it on his show, you know, uh, drop the mic. I, I, I was on that uh, doing the rap battle uh, uh, with um, my man, uh, Call from from the Walking Dead, <laughs> so it's Call versus uh, versus uh, Tyrese, and uh, <laughs> you know, Meth disrespected me, man. <laughs> told by later, man. You know, he came every time. What you doing that old school rap? I'm like, bro, come on, man, ease up. You know, I'm talented. You see the talent. Don't hate on me, man. So, uh, now nah, I'm just messing with Meth. You know, I'm proud of him, man, and uh, his career and everything he's able to do again people coming from particular circumstances and showing you that anything's possible i'm a fan of you know and i was writing down his raps when i was young so that's real yeah enter the wu-tang 36 chambers wu-tang forever and even to cal his solo album come on man that's what i'm talking about you got to break him down to the bone gristle he's seeking missile i know he know yeah. I know. <laughs> classic stuff they don't make hip-hop yeah. like that anymore no, it's just going in different directions. You know, everything evolves. But um, I think um, I think somewhere along the line, we're going to come back to it. You know what I'm saying? Because everything, to have that kind of substance and value and the storytelling and the heart of it, you know, being so real and true, I, I think we're going to return to that. I really do. When you were involved with the rap battle and even on the set of The Wire, did any of the other members of Wu-Tang pull up to any of these places? 
No, I no. never, I never, nah, nah. You know, um, I'm trying, who I remember, uh, um, you know, I love my boy, uh, and I'm spacing right now, but you, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, um, I don't know why I'm spacing on now, because I really, this, this is one of the dudes that I first met that was like, oh my God, this is my dude. Now, I love ODB. But I am actually spacing on this man's name right now. He's one of the greatest rappers out there for me. He's in my top five for sure. But I'm just like, um, um, hit you with no delay. And so what you saying, yo, silly with my nine milli with the deli, yo. When I be on the mic, I do my duty, yo. You know who that is? You know who that is? No, I actually don't. Oh, yes, you do. If I said the name, you'll know. Yeah, if if you said the name, I would know. Yeah, that's why I, it's crazy because I've just been listening to him, but I'm just spacing. I don't know why I'm spacing on, on his name right now. He's from Long Island. and uh, used Oh, to be and Chuck D? No, he used to be the leaders of the new school. Oh, Busta um, Rhymes. There you go. And there I we go. Why I was like, you mentioned leaders of the new school, I knew right away. Oh, absolutely, man. I'm telling you, that's my dude. I just, you know how it is sometimes, yeah. man. But that, that guy, meeting him was like, yo, man. He's like, no, you, man. You, man. I'm like, no, you, bro. Uh, uh, he's he's one of my favorites for sure. Yeah, he's definitely top out there. One of the fastest lyrical rappers of all time. You can't I can't touch it, man. When he do that thing live, voice like wow, man. Because I've seen him live like three or four times, and he's always showed love, and and he's just he's a legend to me. Yeah, man, Math Math's a legend as well. You know that. Yeah, he is. And another person that had that same flow was Pun. He could really rip the mic fast too. Oh, crazy, man. And, uh, 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 God, what's that thing you were saying? Uh, I was just. Oh, oh dead in the middle, little, literally, little, didn't yeah, know we riddled to middle man who didn't do diddly. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, yeah. Fat Joe always does it, you know. And I'm like, yeah, man, that's the dude. Like, that dude was nicer than nice, too, gone too soon, you know. Many of them gone too soon. I used to love Craig Mack, man, you know. Project yeah. Funk the World. Yeah, man. You should love some Craig Mack. Here come the Get brand down. new flavor in your ear. Yeah. And uh and uh, uh my boy like whoa, you know. Um yeah, he passed both of them have passed away, man. You know, this is crazy. ODB's gone, you know. Um, many of them gone. It's unfortunate, and I think you're right. It's eventually all going to come back full circle here, but I want to dive further into your career because coming from Richmond, Virginia, I heard about your family growing up, especially being a foster kid along with your, your family members Yes, coming up, and yes. eventually you built your own organization in order to help foster kids as well. Yeah, no, I don't have my own organization. Yeah. I support other, other organizations like Living Advantage, that's out there in LA. And these are kids who age out of the foster care system and they need help with their vital records, you know, so they can get jobs and places to live, even get a car, whatever they need to transition into being able to uh, take care of themselves and have autonomy. That's what I'm about. Um, somebody blessed me, you know, I was 11 months old. My sisters and brothers were seven. My brothers were seven and six. My sisters were four and three and I'm 11 months old, man. And George and Lottie Bird blessed us and took all of us. And you don't hear that story very often. Most times they split kids up and kids don't even know they have brothers and sisters. They kept us all together. They raised us, they saved our lives. So, you know, fortunately I had the opportunity to connect with my real parents and that's all love. 
but uh, George and Lottie Bird saved my life, and I was with them for 14 years. And God bless them. I read yes. online that you you started out in, in track and field, and then you got injured, and that's when you turned the drama. Is that correct? Yeah, that's pretty much the case. Because I I was so into running, man, but I had a soft bone, soft bone, and my my shin bone was a soft bone. So once I put too much pressure on it and running over and over and over, and I used to run cross country as well, uh, that pain I I couldn't endure that pain. So you know. It, it was a blessing because I ended up going in the direction I was supposed to go anyway and uh, working with the All City Theatrical Company in uh, Virginia and in Richmond, Virginia and having the out of body experience doing uh, theater. And, you know, so it was a calling. It was a call. I was just a little confused. I thought I was going to be a track star. <laughs> I was confused. <laughs> Broadway was the original dream for you. But just before yeah. all this really came about, you eventually or going to school, you you, you t- go to your Commonwealth one year, freshman year, then you eventually yeah. go into the Army. And you, yeah. as soon as you went to the Army, you asked how you can get involved in any communications. And right there, they showed you the cameras and the videotapes. Yep. And you were That's filming right. documentaries. And you actually did radio, and you were inspired by Kirby Carmichael. That's correct, brother. You're doing your homework. I like yeah. that. That's <laughs> cool. Yeah. Kirby Carmichael, The Rock and Jock, W-A-N-T, 99 FM. Yes, indeed. I'll never forget that. Um, and loved all things, TV, you know, I was just intrigued by that medium for sure, man. And um, what happened was initially I was supposed to go to New York University because I was awarded the court of the state of Virginia. That means I didn't have legal parents. At that point, I was living with my grandmother, but she didn't adopt me. So I was still in the foster care system. Anyone in that position was supposed to get a free ride to whatever university they got accepted in. And Reagan took that all away. That's correct. And I got accepted into Tisch School of the Arts. Reagan took the thing off the books. I couldn't afford to go to NYU at that point. I went to Virginia Commonwealth University. I was ready to be in New York. So I said, let me go in the Army and get a vocation I can use when I get to New York while I'm pursuing my career. Maybe I could work at a radio station, television station at night. So that was the plan, man. And uh, but that four years in the military doing that kind of work and traveling all over the world and just gaining life experience was huge for me because it made me more mature and ready to handle being in New York. You actually shot the first music video for the Army and you were actually doing work with the Jets, Giants and Celtics. That's correct, bro. So I was having a blast. So, you know, we would do um PSAs, public service announcement, you know, like Danny Ainge back then, you know, Danny Ainge would say, hi, I'm Danny Ainge. Being a basketball player is like being in the army, you know, a little cheesy, but <laughs> it worked. It was effective, you know, and uh, yeah, the Giants, I mean, there was a guy standing beside me uh, with what they call a unipod, you know, holding his camera, interviewing people. Man, that was Chris Berman. That's the dude that pretty much the father of ESPN. ESPN. Yeah, man. So, you know, I've been around a minute, boy, but uh, so much fun. The, the, I'm in that music video. If you ever pull that music video up, I think it's called Good Morning Soldier. Good Soldier, it'll, yeah. Yeah, it'll come up. And I'm the dude at the bus stop because they all knew I was an actor, too. They would ask me to do my monologues for them and stuff. So <laughs> they were very... They were supportive. They were like, COVID, that's good. Do it again, COVID. Do that monologue again. So my, my other dudes... Because they were photographers, you know, they were artists too, just happened to be in the military. So they were all very encouraging, man. 
you get out of the military, you go to New York. It was your dream to get there, doing Broadway, getting involved in, in TV and film later on. And you actually meet up with your high school teacher as far as acting classes go. And, and this goes way back, especially when you're doing experience with the Raisin in the Sun. And, you know, he, he put his hand in your abdomen and said it has to come from inside. That's correct, brother. That's that. That was the experience that that was it. That's when it was really burst in me. I never looked back from knowing that I was going to be a professional actor. He's like, son, you're doing a, God, a good job of saying it, but it's got to come from like just deep inside you. And I went off stage and they were, he was already teaching us about substitution. So substitution simply means that if the circumstance of the play doesn't get you the emotions that the, that it need, the scene needs, you think about something that does use that, come back into that scene. And I came in and had an out-of-body experience, tears, everything, but I stayed in the framework of the play. And that's when I knew, you know, uh, this is it for me. It was the most amazing experience that, you know, that first time, you know, that's what people aspire to lose themselves as, as you know, uh, what was that rapper that said, lose yourself in the Eminem. moment if you want it, that you never let it go. Uh, so yeah, it's, it was like that and that, and, and everybody just lost it. It was like, oh my God, how'd you do it? And that set me on the path from there. So by the time I got out of the military, he was in New York pursuing his career. Rest in peace, Robert Pemberton, a huge, huge influence on me becoming what I've been able to become to, to this day. And um, so he he helped me with pictures and resume and get the backstage. And the, this publication will help you as a non-union actor, get your foot in the door. And so that's how I ended up being uh, uh, standing on the Cosby show. That was my first um uh, audition in new york uh i thought i was all just for the show <laughs> but but hey at that point in time standing is is better closer than most you know what i mean so i got exactly. had the opportunity to watch by mr cosby and 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 uh um, malcolm jamal and all those fantastic actors man i mean it, it was lisa bonet was dating um lenny kravitz at the time no one knew who he was and she was like, come on, guys, can you play Lenny's music for the pre-show just to try to get him on? You know, she was championing his cause back then, man. So it, it was an amazing time, an amazing experience that helped me be ready to do sitcom work later on, you know, yeah. which I ended up booking the, a show, Malcolm Jamal's first show. after You're now. You got it, brother. Yep. And that. I ended up booking that. He's like, oh, my gosh, I told you I'm an actor, man. <laughs> so um, we won't go into how that went. But needless to say, I heard that it was a terrible experience. It was a tough experience. Yeah. But, you know, I was, we was trying, trying my best to say, hey, man, whatever makes you look good, we look good. And we were doing our best. He was under a lot of pressure. And, um, and but it was good to actually go through that tough experience because it showed like, man, you know, I got the guts and the cojones to survive it's okay you know and, and my 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 uh, belief in myself was unscathed um, and I was very sure that it was the writers and not me and Daryl Chill Mitchell said so himself because he was on the show at the time so you know and you keep it moving you keep it moving and Malcolm and I are friends so I'm grateful for that that's right. And you've had plenty of experiences in sitcoms. It's always sunny in Philadelphia that I mentioned yeah. earlier and giving you in your intro is Z. Yeah. Yeah, man. Oh, I, you know, those boys, Charlie Day and Glenn and Rob, man. What happened was um, I tested for a show 
they they were going to have a network show called Boldly Going Nowhere. I'm like, why y'all name it that? But, <laughs> you know, that was like an omen, bro. Boldly Going Nowhere? Well, that's where it went. But it was a spaceship comedy, man. And I was the security on the spaceship. And uh, and Glenn was on it. And uh, Lennon Parham. And, jeez, uh, um, uh, what's my man from... Uh, uh, he used to be on Arrested Development, um, Tony Hale. Mm. And, you know, we thought we had a hit, man. And, but it just didn't go. And, you know, I beat Carl Weathers out for that role. And, uh, you know, and so we became friends after that. And they were like, yo, you got to come and do Always Sunny. And, you know, when I put that hat on sideways, you know what I mean? I put them slippers on and them. <laughs> You know, I put on that tank top. <laughs> it's a whole nother character came out of me, man. And uh, it's been, the rest is history, man. Those guys are amazing. I love it. We, we, we have a blast. Whenever I work with them, we have a blast. And then, I, you know, I did all did some other comedies too, you know. Um, what else did I do? Uh, well, I had one that was called um, I Hate My Teenage Daughter and uh, with Jamie Presley and that was, you know, we thought we had one on that, but this just tell people, as you hear me saying these things, there are many things that don't work out, but you have to persevere. You know what I mean? I love doing the Goldbergs. That was a lot of fun too. Um, and yeah, there are many others. Uh, comedies, when, when I was coming up, they taught us, it's, you know, the, the face is comedy and drama. That's, that's the theater, you know, Comedia dell'arte. That's it. You should be able to do both. So they taught us to do both as well as Shakespeare. And then I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say what's going on right now, the hottest thing out there right now, the Orville. And working with uh, Seth MacFarlane on that, and that's, you know, streaming on Hulu right now. And, you know, we're knocking it out of the park, man. So I hope you all tuning in to that. When you look back at it, on your, was there ever time you reflected maybe subconsciously that there was a film or a particular role that inspired you and said that this was what you wanted to do? Um, I would have to say a soldier, as far as uh, film, yes, it's, it's called A Soldier's Story. And, and it was based on a, uh, some, a, a soldier's play. It was an off-Broadway play. And it was a, a, a Pulitzer Prize winning play on, uh, by Charles Fuller. And so when I saw that and I saw all these brothers up there, you know, in an ensemble piece, very powerful and dealing with race and uh, how we relate to each other, it was incredibly powerful. So, and I hadn't even seen the play. I had just done pieces from it, you know, for auditions and stuff. So to see that when I saw that, that's what let me know, like, man, I could, I could, I would love to do television film because like I said starting out with plays you just think Broadway is the thing and when I saw that that's when that opened up that part of it but also while I was in the military um, I studied with a professor named Vera Katz she's amazing at Howard University I uh, she offered me a scholarship but I didn't want to go I, I felt good just working with her one-on-one -on -one. and um, she told me you can do this and um, and and I did, and she years later she's walking down the street, and I had made my Broadway debut, and she saw me on the awning outside, it, and she called me, and I was like, you know, that was a moment for both of us because she believed in me back then, and and the other thing I'm saying to uh, to that, like, 
here I am in the military, but that didn't deter me from my dreams. I sought out somebody to study with, you know, so the path don't always have to go one way, but however it goes, if you want it, you got to do it. You got to stay in it. You got to find a way to stay connected to it. And that's, she helped me with that. And she also helped me more with craft, you know, how to hone my craft. And she, you know, to have someone like her tell me I could do it meant the world to me. And for that to go down, oh man, it was priceless. And I, I ended up performing for the president of the United States at the time, Barack Obama and Michelle. And uh, it was an incredible experience. And and uh, Meryl Streep came backstage and tears in her eyes and she kissed me in my mouth and said, you're an amazing actor. They wanted to come back, but the Secret Service wouldn't let them. And I was like, well, you're the president of the actors, so don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I'll catch up with him another time. <laughs> Thank you so much. Because, you know, Meryl Streep is the ish for sure. So that was incredible experience. And all sorts of folks came through to see the show from, from Denzel to Lawrence Fishburne, Forrest Whitaker, you know, folks like that, man. So it was, it was that was a, an amazing experience and accomplishment and something I carry with me always. Yeah, a, a full 360 moment and just hearing about and relating to everything that you went through, especially when you were on the train in New York after standing in for the Cosby show and you were crying on the train because you knew that you could do this and you could act and with given an opportunity, you could take over and, and gain what was yours. That's correct, brother. That, those were some real tough times. Leaving, you know, coughing Astoria Studios because uh, they taped on Friday. So leaving on that Thursday, knowing that I wasn't going to be involved in, in the live real taping, man, was 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 tough. Yeah. But again, I had that, they call it intestinal fortitude. I, I had an end of belief in myself that nobody could shake. So, you know, you have to have that. Doesn't mean you don't have doubts but your doubts are not greater than your belief in yourself. You're exactly right. And we have to dive into The Walking Dead here. Tyrese, my, sure. one of my favorite characters on The Walking Dead and, and was angry when they killed you off, but it happens on, on the shows because you gained so much momentum and you identified with Tyrese right away because you related to his gentleness and kindness and him not That's wanting true. to kill anyone. You related right. to that. And, and you looked at The Walking Dead as the beginning of a new world instead of the end of the world. That's correct. It's always about hope and possibility. We, you know, it, it, it was a, a show on sociology, you know, the nature of how human beings, again, how do they relate to each other? How do you survive? What inspires you? How do you remain kind? How do you remain thoughtful? How do you take care of your family? What do you do when your back's up against the wall? How much violence is necessary? All of these things, which is very much what's going on in the world today you know, uh, we're being addressed. So you always want to be a part of something that's relevant. And I always, again, people take gentleness for weakness and it's just not true. And I, and I, I really would, would, you know, I really appeal to people to really think through that and really think about why you really embrace the man that Barack Obama was, you know, long suffering, thought about things, not just reactionary, really caring about people. If a man does not embrace vulnerability, it's going to be problematic. You know, most of, most of your egomaniacs and things of that nature, people who just refuse to be vulnerable. But if you really want to be a whole man and develop as a person, you got to be able to relate 
to people from your vulnerable side. And that does not mean weakness at all. It's actually strengthened that. Because if your heart ain't open, you know, man, you're susceptible to do anything because you really don't give up. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then just money, power, and control become everything. And you just mow through people. And I won't suggest who you may come to mind, but, you know, <laughs> we'll leave it at that. You know, <laughs> so people come to mind, but true leaders, true leaders must walk with some vulnerability for sure. You're right about that. And and speaking about true leaders, you fought with one on set and the scene wise with Rick, Andrew Lincoln. How was that fight scene between you and Andrew oh, Lincoln? Well, you know, it didn't speak to reality. No, <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> See, look at me doing my ego thing right there. No, man, that dude, you know, I call him Big Link. I call him Big Link for a reason. That dude was our fearless leader. And that dude is a beautiful human being, man. Uh he he just he kept us all together, man. You know that 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 dude worked harder than anybody else, stayed longer, and worked harder than anybody else. That's that's for sure. He carried the show into in my mind, in my eyes, and uh, always the ultimate respect. I mean, the dude came and watched my final scene and, and, and text me. See, I aspire to be that kind of actor. Come on, man. That's straight humble. That's just, you don't have to do that. Humble Hollywood. And that's, again, you know, one of my, that's something that I hold dear because, you know, in this industry, you can easily become just so ego driven and it's all about me. And it's just, that's just, to me, that's not the right walk. Not for me. Anybody, somebody else can be, but if you, you know, this is a gift and a blessing, man. And that dude showed ultimate class at all times and was just fiercely talented and passionate. And uh, he just set the table for all of us. And everybody wanted to just bring that A-plus game working with that guy. So, yeah, big big ups, big link. You know, I love you, boy. And everybody else. That's a tremendous, tremendous cast of amazingly talented actors. But even more, man, people, the people that there are. And I know people say think it's cliche. It's just not. I mean, these were just some incredible people that you wanted to be in the company of when the camera shut down, when the lights was off. You wanted to sit back and talk. And I was going through some things at that time that um, was the loss of my uh, sister, 49 years old, pancreatic cancer. And, 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 and all of them were there for me, you know. Every last one of them, from from Melissa McBride to to Big Link, you know, uh, they they were there, man. Um, everybody taking the time to sit with me, talk to me, and just try to encourage me, help me through it. And and at that time, too, a very dear friend of mine, Michael Jace, had taken his wife's life, and I knew her personally too. So, you know, you can only imagine like you're out here doing all these death scenes, digging graves, and but in your real life, all these things are happening. And of course, yes, I had to use it. You got to put it, you got to just let it run through you and, and, and make it a, a, a benefit to someone else. But uh, that was tough times, man. And Norman Reedus, I never forget us, and Sandy Aokamakan, him just sitting with me on the beach, just say, talking about his relationship with his pops and things of that nature. Uh, man, Melissa McBride, just all the time. And, um, you know, of course, a girl to play my sister, man, you know, just anytime you needed somebody to lean on, you know, you had that. So it's just amazing. 
it, it definitely comes through in the scenes, especially with the Grove and when you forgive Crazy, Carol. Right? Yeah. Crazy, right? I forgive you yeah, for we're... killing Karen and oh, David. Oh my goodness, bro! That 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 was one of the um, that was one of the most amazing uh, episodes. That one in my death episode, and when, and I was when I was who I was talking about was Sonequa Martin Green, uh, you know, who played my sister. Man, another one, just just family, family, and uh, so we went out there with the girls, man, and we stayed out there at the cabin, and and me and Melissa just talked all the time, and. When it came time to do that scene, we didn't need to do anything. We didn't need to do it, but twice, we did it twice. And, and uh, it, it, it was there, very, very powerful. You know, my man, Mike Satrasimus, who is now, you know, big time executive producer on Fear of the Walking Dead and working on The Walking Dead. You know, that was that was his shot, first time directing the scene. And that was the one, he, you know, he knocked it out of the park, man. So, uh, you know, cause he, he was the, uh, he was the um, he, he was he was the dude responsible for the cameras, you know. So, yeah, but but when he got his chance to to direct, man, it was amazing. So, what was your mind frame and process and just your approach and going into The Walking Dead, knowing that there was it's more drama in real life than it is horror, but there's a huge horror element to the show because you're in the zombie verse now. What was your background as far as your knowledge of horror and what you could bring to that show? In which we saw um what i knew is that listen man you better play it full out you know there's no room for this thing to not feel real and so whatever you got to do to get your engines revved up most of us we do a push-ups you know uh we're, we're, we're talking through the scene all the time and and we're taking it life or death for real and i knew we had to bring that kind of energy and adrenaline and that kind of depth to it. You had to give everything to it. But a lot of times it's easier when you're physically, you know, you're running or you, you know, you all that physical stuff, that stuff helps get you stirred up too. So uh, it was that, that part of it was easy and gelling with the castmates. Everybody was coming with that energy. Everybody knew, you know, it's a plus game y'all it's on. We, we don't have time for anybody to see this is cheesy. This, they got to know this is real. We're really tackling some serious issues here. So, you know, big ups to Robert Kirkman for coming up with all this madness and and Scott Gimple and Greg Nicotero and Howard Berger, you know, all these people are just amazing human beings that from the special effects, visual effects, directing, executive producing, and, and the storytelling just, yeah, hats off for sure. I want to bring up an important character in the horror universe and it relates to The Walking Dead with The Night of the Living Dead, George A. Romero, rest in peace, one of the greatest yes. to ever do it with Dwayne Jones, who played Ben, because he was the first African-American lead actor in the horror film. There you go, man. That's awesome. And I, I, you know, I can't tell you, I, I know that, but I didn't relevant, you know, uh, it was more like uh, my boy from uh, uh, Candyman. Like Tony that. Todd. Tony, yeah. And I know Tony, you know. Uh, that's that to me. That's a legend right there. You know what I mean? Like that was the, one of the first dudes that I ever saw to be able to carry the whole thing. You know, but I, uh, and, you know, I was into like Aliens and you know uh, Sigourney Weaver and um, you know uh, and my brother uh, Yafet Koto in that one. You know, yeah, I and mean, he actually played in Freddy's Dead too. Yes, yes, that was one of my dudes. I love that guy dearly. And uh, rest in peace. Did, Used to be on Homicide too. He was on that TV show, and uh, I mean, big ups to Ernie Hudson, you know, 
for being in Ghostbusters, you know what I mean? All these representations are important, no matter how a person might say, I don't want it. It's like, nah, well, we, when you don't see yourself <laughs> and then you see yourself, you know, you, you, you go big ups and you're thankful for that and because it's promising, it's, it's aspirational. It lets you know that you too can be there. And that's where I've always been. When I see actors of color doing their thing, I'm celebrating, man, that's beautiful because that, that helps the promise of you paving the way to help me get through there for real or get that opportunity to show what I can do. So that's where I'm at with it. Absolutely. And you brought up Ernie Hudson, especially with the Ghostbusters, but something that I think The Wire is really influenced by when I really look at the show and, I, and it, The Wire, is, it's real life. You could tell that that's, it's no, closest to real life. And I look at this movie that Ernie Hudson played the character Lolly in in Sugar Hill with Wesley yeah. Snipes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, sir. That was that was the real deal. Before, yeah, man. Yeah, man. I, I never forget that. <laughs> the boys was going hard in the paint on that one. Man. You know, and, uh, big ups to Wesley Snipes, too, you know, and, you know, in terms of action and things as well, not to transition out of this one. But because, you know, the dude's a fierce actor and that was that was his, that was a serious acting lesson for those who haven't seen it. Please do check out Sugar Hill. Uh, Michael Wright. I was that's who I was trying to think of, bro. It's one of those days, <laughs> Ginkgo or something. But um, yeah, he yeah, Michael Wright, scary man, uh, crazy boy. Um, and and then um, uh, I'm trying to think of my man's name right now. He used to be on the Mod Squad back in the day, and that's way back. A lot, uh, Clarence Williams the third. I know he wasn't in that one. Maybe I'm thinking about him in, in the, as the father in the Prince movies. Even mm-hmm. the Prince and the Doves Cry. You know, uh, just just thinking about a fierce actor like Clarence Williams the third. You know, that's how Michael Wright was. You know what I mean? The dudes that just show up and, and lay it down. I always had major respect for dudes that didn't always get the same amount of real estate, but wherever they showed up, bam, they made that impact. Yeah. And, we, and just to close out with The Wire, you know, because I want to move on to your video game and an upcoming work as well. Michael K. Williams, it was just so unbelievable to hear about his passing and he didn't get to see the 20th anniversary, no, 20 years. Uh, brother, crushed all of us. Uh, it's not one of us that wasn't crushed by that. Uh, it's a cautionary tale, though, ladies and gentlemen. Please remember, it's real out there. I ain't going to go no further than that. Yeah. Just let you know, it's real out there, okay? So, you know, take your time, slow down. Think through it. Think through it. Yeah. Could be your last. It, all of us, because Michael's a dual walk the walk, talk the talk. In the community, would do anything for anybody, for sure. And was was all, just skyrocketing up. What You know, he, it was all good, you know? But just that disconnect at that moment, it can happen. You gotta slow it down. You gotta think about it. The consequence. You know, oh, no way, you know, no way, man. That thing, I was I was doubled over in the fetal position, man. I just, no, no, not him, because he was he was on such a path to do, you know what I mean? Yeah. Literally skyrocketing and literally walk to walk, talk to talk, people are talking about they want to help people and everything. Oh, Mike was in the hood for real. Really, really, really the most humble person you would ever want to meet. Screamingly talented, you know, and uh, remember back in the day when we first started, we, just, we you could tell when somebody else got it, you know, when they waiting to go in, 
We'd be looking over there like, oh, oh, I see you. Oh, I know I'm ready. I'm ready. You know? So just a fierce, fierce talent uh, driven. And uh, man, that, that just hurts. But guess, look at what he left us, though, you know? Yeah. There's a bunch of movies and stuff that I don't think some people have seen yet. Snitch really with The Rock. And, come on, bro. Go back and look at his body of work for sure, man. You're going to see some really, really, really amazing. If you never saw Happen Leonard, man, check it out, bro. This man was just incredible and left us with, with some wonderful, wonderful work and stood up for folks that other people wouldn't stand up for. So, you know, oh, man, always, always RIP. But thank you for what you left us with, bro. Yes. Rest in peace to Michael K. Williams and just getting into your, your video game work because people always remember you as coach and Left for Dead 2. And even you were involved with the development of the game I read online. Wow. They gave me a little bit more credit. Than yeah. <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> I did not. I just simply brought my talents to the table. They had reams and reams of scripts already. I had never did anything like that before in my life, man. It must have been a hundred scripts to have to, you know, to go through to get all the options that the game needs. But I'm just I'm just incredibly blessed and fortunate that people continue to love that game to this day. And again, the dude is a big dude with a kind heart, but he will tear you up. So, you know, I always love that kind of, you know, the pendulum can swing both ways. You know, as people, we aren't just one way all the time, you know. So as gentle as he was, as as much as he was smashing face in as well. So uh and I'm just I'm just grateful, man, that people still love left for dead too to this day and, and and just being a part of of the type of substantive work that continues to have a life that's how you know it's good you know when they talk about a wine you know oh, you ain't gonna drink that wine the longer that wine has been around the fermented the better it is so that's what it feels like with all these projects that i've been fortunate enough to be a part of just a plenty of amazing projects, Left 4 Dead 2, video games, and that all comes back from the, your theater work. You can tell just with voiceover actors, it always goes back to theater and even just getting right into your Humble Hollywood yeah. podcast because I heard about some of the instances with Michael Strahan and Patrick Ewing. Oh, my goodness. Who told you that? Yeah, man. <laughs> you a boy. You good, man. You some kind of detective, bro. You know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I caught him on a bad day. I caught him on a bad day. You know? I must have caught him on a bad day, especially Patrick. I know, because he was trying to chat up some young lady. Don't ever get in the way of a brother trying to chat up a young lady, okay? Don't come up to him saying, Patrick Hewitt, <laughs> my man. <laughs> Cause he'll just look at you like, what the, what the f you took? <laughs> he looked like he was gonna just pluck me away. So, uh, and you know, Stray was this. I don't know, man. Maybe I was fully shaven at the time. <laughs> Stray was looking like, oh. <laughs> I said, my brother, still love you, love you, love you, giant for life, bro. Do your thing, man. Proud of you know, all the work he's doing, both him and Patrick doing that thing, Patrick doing his thing as a coach. So those moments, you know, let you know sometimes it's, it's humbling, you know, you, and I, I I get that. Hey, man, I, that's why I always try to walk in that consciousness that, you know, if it wasn't for the people, I would not have a career. And I just think, you know, always remember where your bread is buttered. And, and it, without the people, who are we? What are we doing? We acting in the closet, you know? Come on now. 
it, it, it's for the people. So uh, I'm always going to be available to the people in that way. I try. I don't always, I mean, you know, nobody walk on water. Um, I've had my moments for sure, but uh, I do my best to walk with humility and, uh, and love of mankind for real, for real. See them, hear them, relate, honestly, truthfully. You know what I mean? That's that's where I'm at. And I give my brother Donald Coleman a lot of credit for that. Donald was always interested in who are you as a man? I know who you are. You're a talented actor, but who are you as a man? And uh, that's that's a huge question that every man needs to ask himself, you know, and just strive to be better. Strive, strive to be my best self, you know. Mm-hmm. Just thinking about it, you mentioned bad days because you always hear instances about you know, people interacting with celebrities, you know, I've had my take with them, you know, you catch them on a bad day, then they're all of a sudden they're joyous to another person. It happens, but it's always important to stay grounded. And that's what you do here with the humble Hollywood podcast. Is there any upcoming announcements that you have to make? Do you have any guests on or as far as oh, we, we did like, you know, we've done like about 18 interviews thus far, everybody from uh, Frankie Faison to, you know, Joe, Joe, uh, Joe Morton and, uh, uh, we, you know, Amy Ryan and uh, Jeff Gadir, celebrity uh, psychologists, and we've we've done uh, Dan Tanney, uh, an astronaut, astronaut, excuse me, and uh, so we have a very eclectic group, you know, of interviews. So what we're doing is just sh- shaping it and shopping it, you know. So right now we're still interested in finding the right platform for us. So that's where we're at with that. We're just working on finding the right platform. Yeah. Rest in peace to Ray Liotta. And recently I saw you pay homage to James Kahn, you know, Come the on. great godfather. Do you regret not going up to Al Pacino at the Four Seasons Hotel when you saw him? Because I know you used to be like the background guy, but I remember you said that you saw him like a few years ago, but you didn't go up to him. Yeah, no, you know, I, I just, I left that Titan alone. You know, I just, I felt, you know, I, I, I got a chance to meet um, Dustin Hoffman. Okay. So, and, and he was, you know, with his wife, and uh, he was available to it. But sometimes you can see and sense that a person is, is in their own little deal. So I'm always, I was always reading it. I always read the temperature of the room of what it perceived to be to me. And it just did not feel like yeah. the move at the time. I, I didn't want another one of those experiences. You know what I'm saying? You know, you want sometimes you just leave, leave your hero alone. Like I, I left Magic alone, you know, I because I, I knew I knew I was going fanboy, you know, <laughs> you can't handle it when you do that, especially with my size, man. So I said, you know, I know we'll, another time, bro, because, you know, that's how much the person impacted me, you know. And so, I, yeah, I left it. I left it alone there just to see him, though. You know, it was like, all right, bro, that's. Yeah, I, I, I'll just carry that. I, you know, I got a chance to see you, you know. I mean, I feel that way about Eddie Murphy, you know, and went to an event, and I just went to the event just like any other SAG member, you know what I mean? Just to sit in the room and, and see him because that's one of those people, too, that, you know, certain people just resonate with you and have such a, you feel the impact of it. You have connection with them. Yeah, you just yeah. feel that connection. And that's also the power of the medium. That's why I always, you know, try to understand that, you may not know them, but they feel like they know you. It's feel it's, it's deeply personal, so always keep that in mind, you know, yeah. and, and respect that energy when it comes your way, because you move them. To be able to move another human being is is 
something that we should is precious, you know. Be easy with that, you know, because that's very, very powerful. And there's that vulnerability thing again, you know. Yeah, and always treat your fans with kindness. That's how I look at it, and that's what you do, and that's where humble Hollywood is. And just yes. getting into your upcoming film work, and especially things that you want to get involved with in the future, especially behind the camera, because you had some experience with doing some production work. I read online. Is there a trait that you feel as though you haven't fully unlocked yet that you're looking for and seeking out in a future role that you would love to fully develop on the screen that we haven't seen from Chad L. Coleman yet? Uh, I, I can tell you that uh, I'm very much interested in doing something with a reimagining of the elephant man, mm. you know, and just thinking about, you know, all the different dynamics and layers about how people perceive you and what people project on you or who you are. And just playing around with the notion that he really didn't look distorted at all. It was just the, you know, people's, their own projections on him, you know, playing with it like that. So that's something I definitely want. But executive producing is the short answer. And uh, and I am working on it. I do have projects on the table and certain things are moving forward. That I'm not going to speak on it like that right now. But yes, I have things moving forward. I have my own short film that's uh, screening at the uh, Long Island uh, International Film Festival Expo uh, this coming Thursday, July 14th. My short film is being screened in in a block at like 8.30. And I'll also be showing up to be able to sign and, you know, just be me in New York. So for everybody who didn't get to see me at New York uh, Comic Con over the past couple of years and certain cons, I'll be there and I'll be signing um, from 12 to 4.30 on the 14th and from 4 to 9 on the 15th of July at the, uh, at the, uh, uh, in Belmore, Long Island at the Belmore uh, Movie and Showplace. Wow. Yeah, you're always going to be a part of the Comic-Con universe, especially with The Walking Dead. Absolutely, bro. And, I, and I, that's the gift that keeps on giving and I do appreciate that and I will be at San Diego Comic-Con as well with the Orville. And uh, we're very, very proud of, of this hybrid show that Seth MacFarlane uh, birthed with the help of many other amazing human beings. So we're proud of this this season. And uh, y'all keep making enough noise to let him know that it should be a season four. You know, that's what, that's what I want. Yeah. Hey, I'm looking forward to it. Chad Coleman, is there anything else that you would love to let the audience know, your fans know, anything else that we didn't cover? Oh. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I just finished working with an amazing brother named um, Bomani J. Story, mm-hmm. and we just worked on a film called The Angry Girl and Her Monster, and that's a reimagining of the Frankenstein story, and uh, young Leia, uh, uh, Leia is, plays Queen Latifah's uh, daughter on The Equalizer, uh, and she's just amazing in it, and um it's an amazing cast. Bomani is an uh, amazing filmmaker. So I can't wait for you guys to see that for sure. Um, and because what it is, it's like she's a brilliant young girl, but the world sees her as an angry black girl. And, and then he uses the classic Frankenstein monster as a metaphor for how people perceive young black men. So it's deep. That is but deep. It's also, but it's also horror, horror too, you know. And uh, so he, he, he's, he's, this kid is incredibly talented and just, you kind of see coming out of the Jordan Peele school, but not because he's been developing this for 10 years. But at the same time, I will tip my hat a little bit to Jordan, but uh, this is something that I can't wait for other folks to see. And um, 
get my comedy chops on on Girls Five Ever, Tina Fey's uh, deal with um, with Meredith Scardino, um, and that that's Peacock streaming right now, and I get to rock with uh, Renee Renee Elise Goldsberry, where a lot of people know from Hamilton, and she's on Billions, and I play her love interest, so you can check that out too, and I'm on Showtime's uh, Three Women. So yeah, man, you know, I'm just keeping it moving, bro. And I have my own projects, as I said, that I'm working on. And uh, the short film is called Wish Lab Inc. Uh, it's not out yet, but if you can make it to the screening, please, please do come out. And I'm um, developing something for uh, for Catch Light Entertainment. And uh, that's going to be really hot. So we're looking for, you know, I just keep it moving, keeping the balls Staying in Staying busy. Staying busy, but looking, you know, I'm always striving to go higher. You know what I mean? Uh, looking to take it to another level. You know, that that's my... Just keep aspiring. I know what was in my head and heart as a little kid, you know, in Richmond, Virginia. I know. So I'm keep I keep striving to have that materialize completely. You know what I mean? I've been yeah. very fortunate in my career, but I got way more left in the tank. That's a fact. And you're gonna accomplish it all, especially the elephant man, because that's that's just a, a tragic story when you learn about it. But the classic movie with Anthony Hopkins. It's Yes, absolutely. And then I saw um, uh, he did it. Uh, the brother, wonderful actor. I saw it on Broadway as well. And I saw uh, uh, this young man's take. Um, today is the day to not remember. <laughs> it was Brad, Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper did the Elephant Man on Broadway. Yeah. So I, I saw his take on it as well. He he didn't have any prosthetics. He looked like he looked, but he contorted his body. So that made me think about it from that perspective. And again, if you think about it from a standpoint of race, mm-hmm. you can see somebody perceiving someone some way, and that's not how they are at all. You know, and a young, a lot of young black males have to deal with that people's projection on them of what they see. And you're like, you can't see my beauty, you don't see it. So that's that's something that's ruminating for me for sure. I want to do something with that. Yeah. And and I can't wait to see what you're going to do there and, you know, c- carrying on that and just seeing everything else that you bring to the table here in the near future, man. And Chad L. Coleman, man, I want to thank you for coming on the show here today. I enjoyed speaking with you. You know, anytime that you want to come on, you're always welcome. You know, thank yeah. you for all that you've done. I feel the same way, man. You you thorough, bro. You, oh, thank you. You 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 you, you, you step to the table prepared. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I how you know about the Patrick Ewing? <laughs> that was good, boy. I said this boy, this boy prepared. He got a staff. Where where you staff at? They back there somewhere. No, no, five, I'm, I'm solo here. With you. Oh man, well you thorough, bro. And I, I, I do appreciate. I had a good time with this, bro. And uh, yeah, of course, I'd love to come back when I'm, you know, got some more stuff queued up. Yeah, let's do Abs- it. Absolutely. And, and Patrick Ewing, I'm a Knicks fan, so you know, I relate to Wee Bay's line. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, it's horrible. So I relate to Weebay's line in the wire when he says, oh, the Knicks effed up the draft again. (laughs) They always do it. Even back then, right? Yeah. Yeah. 2000. I think I was like four years old when the wire came out. So that's, ooh, don't say that. But no, I get it. (laughs) I'm the one that feels old. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what, though. I do. I, I I put it to you like this: You're only as old as you think, bro. So I feel I feel as young as I was, the same 
17, 18 year old excited kid out there, you know, going after my dreams. I feel the same way today. So, you know, just just keep striving and 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 just let that little let that inner child and in you live forever, no matter what's going on in the world, you know, because all of that wonderment and all of that joy and energy, that's that's how you stay youthful. That's right. And you've managed to do that and bring us great on-screen performances. And I'm looking forward to the upcoming work. Chad Coleman, I want to thank you again. You know, shout out to everyone that helped set this up and coordinate this. And, you know, yes. I look forward to everything that you have coming in the near future. Appreciate your support, man. Yeah. And they can follow you on Instagram and Twitter at Chad L. Coleman. That's correct. Yeah. Chad Coleman, enjoy the rest of your day. All right. And take care. Right, and stay brother. safe. You too. Yep. Peace, man. All right. All right.